So, all right. I'm a child of God. I have in my hand the powerful word of God. Can change lives, heal broken hearts, and save man's soul. Here's our prayer. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at your neighbor and just look at them. Don't they look marvelous? They do. They look simply marvelous. Today, we're going to continue in our series, the focus on fund fundamentals and foundations. We're going to start by reading in Acts chapter 2, and uh, we're going to pick it up at verse 42 through verses 47, so you'll need to open those Bibles that you held up. We're in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. I'm using the New Living Translation, and here's how it, it'll be a little different than yours, and don't think I'm reading a renegade version. Uh, it just is one that I like. So follow along with me, starting at verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Verse 47, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I love that story. I love those verses. And by way of starting this morning, I want us to look at the theme or the topic of the joy of serving in a growing church. Now you'll have to determine if River Oaks is a growing church. You'll have to determine that. And hopefully at the end of the message, you will have made that determination. But by way of introduction, I also want to point out something that's really important to us. It's over in the book of Revelations in chapter 3, and it's in verses 1 through 6. We're not going to read all those verses. I'm just going to tell you what's there. Go back later this week, read it, check me out. If I'm wrong, call me. We'll straighten it out. I'll help you understand the truth. No, Jesus. <laughs> but in those verses, you find a church mentioned, the church of Sardis. It's really a sad portrait of what can happen when a church and to a church, when they forget where they have come from, where they're going, and what their purpose is as a church. If we were to start a brand new church, there would be a lot of excitement about that. If we were to build a brand new building, there'd be a lot of excitement about that. My brother in Brownsville, they had their first service in their new building last uh, Sunday, had 189 in church for their first Sunday. But the tail of the tape will be 20 Sundays from now. Will they have more? Will they have less? Are numbers really an indicator that the church is growing? I don't know. We'll see. But something about this church, and why would God decide to talk about this church in the way they were? 
Well, there's four things I know that are true about living organisms. Number one is they are made up of cells. Number two, they need food. Number three, they exhibit growth. And number four, they reproduce. That's what living organisms do. You are a living organism. You possess all four of these characteristics. The church at Sardis had a reputation. And that reputation was they were alive. But they were as good as dead, the way Jesus describes them. And the Lord didn't give us direct explanation of the words that you are dead in Revelation 3.1, but it's reasonable to believe that these Christians were weak in, their, in those same four areas that we talked about describing a living organism. I think, first of all, in verse 4 of chapter 3 in Revelation, the cells of the church body were not working well. Some members were walking with the Lord, but many others had ceased to function properly. Second thing I know is this church had stopped talk, uh, t- taking in the right spiritual food. According to verses 3 and 6, the Lord admonished them to begin listening to His Word and Spirit once again. Thirdly, they had stopped growing as a body. All, although they had knowledge, their actions left much to be desired. And then fourthly, it's probably safe to conclude that a church in such bad shape was reproducing very little. Because when Christians get weak and cold, they stop multiplying. It's a far cry from what was evident in the local church of the first century in Jerusalem. In the verses that we've read just a few moments ago, we can see that a church, and this church was alive. Growing, serving God with red, hot enthusiasm. The church was being used by the Lord to impact the world. And from the verses in Acts 2 that we read, I want to share with you the joy of serving in a growing church. And these verses reveal certain benchmarks that we can identify whether we're a living church or a dying church. Statistically, And statistics reveal that even though the total number of churches in the United States has increased in recent years, there's an average of seven local congregations that absolutely die and close their doors every day. Every day. Statisticians predict by the year 2025, 2025, churches like this more than likely won't exist anymore because of attrition, because of numbers, because of finances, because of lots of reasons. Bigger churches will absorb the smaller churches. Something to keep in mind. But that's 2025. That's a long time away. Amen? Like tomorrow it'll be here. I love talking to parents who's, who have younger little kids and they go, boy, I just, I can't wait till they grow up. I used to say the same thing. You miss them when they grow up. You miss the noise in the house. You miss having to clean up after them, even though you gripe and grit your teeth and all that stuff. You, you miss it. You miss it. And so church... That becomes static and a statistic may not exist long. 
and giving the decline in the level of excitement and, and enthusiasm and commitment to outreach and burden for the lost. What happened at Sardis can happen right here at River Oaks. That's why Jesus put the story in the, in, in the Bible. I want this church to live and I want these verses to tell us that we can be an alive church. Joy of serving in a growing church. What were the benchmarks? Well, first of all, in verses 42 through the first part of 47, they were serving by doing the right kind of works. They found joy in doing the right kind of works. They were a practicing people. These early Christians were a people after God. They were the real deal and their reality is plainly seen in the things that marked their Christian life. They were practicing, first of all, the truth. These people were doctrinally sound. It tells in verse 42 four things that they held tight to. The apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Well, they didn't didn't do away with those. If you'll notice, our church service has all four of those every week. We spend time around the Lord's table because we don't have a physical meal that we share together, so we do the spiritual food right here. I don't know how many times I've had people say, well, it gets mundane if you do it every week. Only to you. Only if you allow it to. (laughs) If you allow it to be mundane, it will be. If this is mundane for you on a weekly basis, I wonder what else spiritually is mundane for you. <clears throat> Uh-oh, I've gone from preaching to meddling now. Okay. I'll move on. But they, up, they upheld the truths that they were taught. They didn't waver from them. And one trait of that godly growing congregation was their strict adherence to the truth of Scripture. We read earlier in Psalm 119, verse 89, that it should be forever settled in our hearts, the practice of following the truth. The Bible is to be the sole standard for everything in this church. Everything that this church does should be solely founded and grounded on the Word of God. If I preach something that doesn't set right with you, call me. Maybe you can teach me. Because I try to be very teachable. I don't have all the answers. That's why we're in a journey together. Amen? And if you're growing and you see a truth, man, let me know. Because I want to see it too. But if I see one, I want you to listen so I can tell you. I want this church to be marked by the strict adherence to the Word of God. Let's see what Jesus said in John 17, 17. Sanctify them by the what truth. Your Word is... We want to make sure. This is the prayer of Jesus, by the way, in John 17. The world's filled with people who are searching for the truth. If a church offers truth as the only dish on the menu, then it will offend some. I believe we've had people leave our church because we're, we, we stick to the Bible. We do not deviate from what the Bible says. Over the years, I've had people try to get me to compromise my view of coming to Christ and having baptism as part of that. I I have. I've had people try to talk me out of that. In fact, one guy said, I guess I can't persuade you in this. I'm not as concerned about his power and influence and his word as I am about the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. 
and His power and His Word. That's much more important than any human who has all kinds of power and authority. I want that authority to say, well done, you good and faithful servant. I don't want to get there on judgment day and he goes, hey, preacher. Yeah, I said, probably would be a good call. Many modern churches have drifted. They've lost sight of why they're a church. I'm just glad we haven't. And I pray that that'll be one of the benchmarks that we always have is that we seek the truth, and the truth is the word. Secondly, they practice the tie. And that verse 42 talks about fellowship, that they continued in fellowship. These, these were people of varying backgrounds. But in Christ, they were one. And it's one trademark of God's church. When he's in control, there will be love and acceptance for everybody who darkens the door of the church. I hope and pray people are always loved and accepted here. I had a lady just two weeks ago tell me that she was here. I, I saw her and I said, hey, where'd you go? You disappeared. She said, well, I evidently was sitting in the row of somebody else and they acted like I shouldn't be in that seat. So I just got up and left. Now, my concern is we have 125 chairs in here. <laughs> and as far as I know, they all look the same. So if you're on one row and you don't feel comfortable in that row, uh, go one one or up or back. Because <laughs> the last time I've, you know, there's been a lot of Sundays I've been here, all these church seats aren't full. I've got two on the sides, I've got four in the back. We can set up more. Amen? So, if you see somebody you don't know, go put your arm around them and say, hey, I'm so glad you're here. And if your row looks full, say, we're going to include you in our family today. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, yeah. You see a mom, a single mom with some kids that are snotty nosed and loud and ham, 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 ham. Let's go up here and love that mama. So I'm praying for you today. I'm so glad you're here and so glad your kids are here. Wouldn't that be great? But no, we, preacher, we want them to do what we want them to do and the way we want it done. Because we don't do it that way, we do it this way. And if we do it this way then they, and they don't comply to what we do, then they're not right and they're wrong and we're... Gotta love them, don't we? Gotta love them. Read a great story last couple of weeks. A big church, big church. Getting ready for service and the songs were going and everything was going really well. Packed house. Young fella showed up at the back and he looked down the center aisle and he looked for some. I mean, he, you know, his jeans had holes in them. He didn't look like he's very well dressed. He couldn't find any seats, so he just walked right down to the front of the church and sat down in the aisle. He thought, well, I can just worship God right here. Well, one of the deacons, older fella, kind of had a cane. That's why he'd been around a long time. He's standing in the back, and he's watching this, and the preacher is watching from the stage, and this old deacon starts to walk. I guess you call it walking. <laughs> up toward that young man on, on the floor, and Everybody's kind of watching, you know. It's just kind of that dead moment in the service when they're watching this old deacon come up to you know, grab that young guy by the ear, I'm sure, and pull him out of here. That's what people were thinking. And then he did the most remarkable thing. This old deacon, I mean, he's an old guy. Cain, he barely can get around. He got up to the front of the church where that young boy was sitting on the floor, put his cane down, and sat down next to him. <laughs> and he looked at him and he said, 
hey, can I worship with you today? That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. That's the kind of church I want River Oaks to be. And if we'll be like that, if we'll be like that, and really act like that, and carry ourselves like that, it'll blow you away what God will do. Do we love sinners? Let's see what 1 John 3.14 says to us. We know that we have passed from death to life because we what? Anyone who does not love remains in... Another thing that they practiced was the table. They, They found common ground right here. I am telling you, without any uncertain terms, that when you come to this table, the ground is level. If you have a whole bunch of money and you think that money is going to influence one thing that this church does, you're welcome at this table. If you come in here with hatred on your heart, bias on your heart, you're going to need to examine yourself, your heart first. But I'm telling you, you're welcome at this table. If you come in here and you've got burdens so thick in your life that you can barely breathe, you're welcome at this table. If you come in here and you're a believer in Christ, and at one time you were so active in Christ that, man, you had a key to the front door. But something's happened along the way and you've kind of slid back from it. You're welcome at this table. In other words, I don't care who you are or what you are. You're welcome at this table. I read an article this week that a, a porn star decided to do some volunteer work at an elementary school in the town where she lived. She does adult films. That's what she does for a living to make money. But she decided to volunteer because the paper put out that they needed volunteers to come read to first graders. So guess what she did? She volunteered to go read to first graders at their public school. I wonder if she was welcome to do that. I'm telling you, at this table, you're welcome. John 15, 5 says it this way. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit because apart from me, you can <laughs> you can try all you want. But if you're not connected to the vine, good luck for you. The other thing they practiced was the throne. They were marked by an absolute power in prayer. You see that in that verse? They possessed an active prayer life. To them, prayer was more than just a ritual or some habit that they were supposed to indulge in once in a while. Prayer was their lifeline. As a church, do we pray for the lost? I used to have members of the church get mad at me when I would say that. They would say, how do you know I'm not praying? I said, because you're arguing with me about it. Well, I pray every day. I said, fantastic. Fantastic. But you see, when we're really praying, who do you think hears the prayer? God does. And when God hears the prayers of His people, He begins to respond. But when it's just two or three, 
And by the way, all of you call Geneva. You're not supposed to call Geneva with your prayers. You're supposed to pray. You might call her and say, would you pray with me? But most people call and say, Geneva, will you pray for this? Like she's got some straight line to God. I'll guarantee you if she had that straight line and God only answered her prayers, Dudley would be sitting right beside her. She and I have had this conversation. That's why I can say that. But she told somebody that, very, that, just that way. She said, if God answered my prayers and my prayers, every time I prayed them, my husband would be sitting right beside me. Hey, I appreciate she's a woman of prayer. And I'm grateful for her praying. But what about you? How much time do you spend? You spend any time during the week praying about this church, praying for this church, praying for the preacher, praying for the spiritual uh, warfare that we're involved in? You see, Satan doesn't want this church to grow. He doesn't want it to grow. He likes it to stay just like it is. And so, so many of us get like that. We don't want the church to grow because then I got to meet new people. I may not get to sit where I always sit. I may have to change places. I, I, I'm just saying. I know you're already uncomfortable by me talking like this. Too bad. A man named Ralph Neighbor went to visit the well-known Korean pastor, David Cho, in Seoul, South Korea. He had an appointment. They talked for some time. And, and then Ralph, as he's telling the story, says Cho's secretary entered the room and informed him that it was time for his next appointment. Ralph said he dismissed himself and sat in the waiting room outside his office to wait for a friend who was coming to, to meet him. But he was curious about who the next visitor might be. So he sat and he watched the pastor's door to see who would come in and follow him from his meeting. Fifteen minutes went by and nobody entered the door. And so Ralph Neighbor tactfully went up and asked the secretary, has Dr. Cho's next appointment been delayed? She said, oh, no, 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 with a smile. They're together right now. You see, each day, he uses this time to talk to the Lord. And the secret of his church's phenomenal growth, and he is the pastor of the largest church in the world, is that, the secret of that is that he learned, has learned the priority of prayer in his life and in his ministry. I need to spend more time praying for you. I need to spend more time on my knees calling out to God for you. I'm telling you that right now. We don't need so much theology as we need neology here at River Oaks. There were practicing people. They were also a practical people. They were single people. These early saints were a true body in every sense of the word. There was a mutual concern that seems to be lacking in modern times, except I'm seeing it the last two Saturdays sitting outside of Reesers. And we don't have any fancy gathering buckets. I've got two shopping carts and a <laughs> and, and maroon-lettered white banner hanging off the shopping carts. There's nothing fancy about our food drive. But what's fun is to watch people fill up the two with the banner on it and then to have to add baskets <laughs> that's what's fun and humbling and amazing and all at the same time there's time slots for you to come witness that next week I hope you'll 
Hope you signed up for one and we'll come down and be a part of it. I don't care if another church comes because we get, what a blessing we're getting. They're, they're robbing themselves of the blessing. I just hope you'll come. Don and Pat were there yesterday. It's amazing, isn't it? They'll tell you how amazing it is. I got there and Pat said, I got money. They gave me money too. I said, well, spend it. <laughs> she, she handed me the money. $404 just yesterday. Just yesterday. Or in the two Saturdays. Isn't that amazing? $404. They were a single people. They were a sacrificial people. They, they met, freely gave to the needs in the Christian family. If you have a need, let us know. I know of one church that when they take the offering on Sunday, they say, hey, if you have a need, take it out of the, take it out of the bucket when it comes by. <laughs> now what? That's kind of a weird way to do it, isn't it? Well, preacher, we're not going to have enough payer bills. Oh, well. When you're doing ministry to God's people, that's God's business. See, he's, he's got all the money. Problem is, we keep it tucked away in our wallets. He's got all the money. Amen? That's really a calling card of Christianity. The world may promise man many things, but the only true spirit-filled congregations can offer the, the seeker undemanding, selfish, never-ending love. Boy, that's the kind of church I want us to be. If you're here and you're hungry, we want to feed you. If you're here and you're thirsty, we want to give you something to drink. If you're here and you're lonely, we want to sit with you. I would encourage you. Get out of your chair. Go sit with somebody you don't know. Be good for you. Well, well, well it's, just a, it's just uncomfortable. I don't, I don't know who they are. Well, if you go sit with them for 10 minutes, you might never learn who they are. Well, I'm just shy. I don't do that kind of thing. I've seen you on the phone. I know better than that. I've seen you eat at restaurants. You talk real well at restaurants. I don't see any of you go to a restaurant and sit in the back corner and say, oh, don't come over here, waitress. I don't want to see you. I don't want to talk to you. Shabbily dressed boy trudged several miles through the snowy streets of Chicago, determined to attend a Bible class taught by Dwight L. Moody. When he, when he arrived, they asked him, why did you come to Sunday school so far away from your home? Why didn't you go to one, a church that's near your house? The boy simply said, because you love a fellow over here. He came because he knew they loved him. Distance doesn't matter. They were practical, again, because they were a spiritual people. They were Christians seven days a week. They didn't dress up in spiritual garments on Sunday and then look different the rest of the week. A growing living congregation is marked by people who are spiritual. They're not just Sunday saints, but... But they are and act just as saved on Monday through Saturday as they do on Sunday. Can that be said of each of us? Notice that they enjoy being with one another. And that's another trait of a healthy growing church is that they really desire fellowship. They want to be together. First part of verse 47, is we find out another way. there. They were a practicing people. Look at the first part of verse 47. Notice that we don't find these people complaining, belly aching, whining, or fighting. They are engaged in the practice of praising the Lord. It's good to hear you sing out this morning. They're using their mouths to a noble pursuit. I, I kind of got the song started, and you may have noticed I didn't sing anymore because I just wanted to listen. I closed my eyes and smiled and listened to your voices sing. Because there's something good about that. There's something great about us praising the Lord. And when you're struggling, praise the Lord. When you're hungry, praise the Lord. 
when you're really battling a battle, praise the Lord. Find a way to praise the Lord. Don't grit your teeth. Open your mouth and praise the Lord. I think the way they were is summed up in Luke 10, 20. However, do not rejoice that the Spirit submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Don't worry about who's here to serve you. Worry about who you can serve. Find a way to serve people without gritching and griping and complaining about it. We have a little sewing group that meets and Maryland comes as part of our little sewing group, Stitch and Chatter. I think they chatter more than Stitch, but that's all right. Once a month or so, I think they have lunch. And, oh, man, you, they brought me two plates full the last time. Two plates full. Don Baker happened to be up here. He gratefully received also. Because <laughs> they are insistent that we be included in their lunch. Now, they don't have to include us. They don't have to include me. But they do. And I certainly don't want to hurt their feelings, so I definitely involve myself. I'll go back and chatter with them too. They were appraising people. Verse, first part of verse 43, we see that they were joyful by being the right kind of witness. In, for, in 43, the community was attentive to them. People outside the congregation took notice of who they were. Why? Because the church was still pure and they were on fire for the Lord. A preacher standing outside the church that was on fire, burning down, and of course the neighbors gathered to watch. Some guy said, Preacher, sorry about your church. He said, Yeah, I know. He said, But I have to tell you, that's the, that's the first time I've ever seen them on fire in a long time. You'll get that at lunch. community was attentive secondly they were astounded notice in verse 43 the word fear they were they were these people who lived around the church they were afraid to attack the church because the power of god was on that place and they knew it the enemies were there but they knew it they were astonished at what they saw taking place at that church I think it would be safe to say that the modern church doesn't inspire much fear in the hearts of the world around us how do i know because they're not coming here If we're a church that loves Jesus and loves people, people ought to be coming here. Well, preacher, you need to get out there and find them and get them in here. Okay. I'm just one guy. What if we had 80 of us doing it? If everybody brought one, and we'll have a big crowd next week, why? No sermon. No, we're feeding them. Feed them and they'll come. You don't have to build it. Just feed them and they'll come. You'll have some relatives want to come to Thanksgiving service at the church. Why? Because they love the food. Amen. I probably ought to change the thing up and go ahead and preach anyway next week. Boy, that foul them up. Went, oh, God, you're going to preach. Oh, great. I might just stand up like I'm going to preach just for fun, just to watch it. No, I want to hear your testimony. This church was affecting the community. The community, in verse 47, the community was affected. The souls were being saved by the Lord. 
The church grew because it was what God wanted it to be and He blessed it in return. When the church comes to a place where it is pure and clean in the eyes of God, devoted to the mission of God, working together for the glory of God, then and only then will the church see God extend the influence of that church beyond the four walls of that building. Latter part of verse 47, they were a joyful church due to the right kind of wonders In verses 43 and 47, they saw the wonder of his blessings. God said amen to this congregation, at least in three ways. One, he blessed them with his peace, which was unity in the church. They they loved each other. They were in total unity of the church. They weren't griping about the carpet, griping about the chairs, griping about the pews, griping about the air, griping about the lack of blankets, too many blankets, one blanket, wrong color. They weren't griping about the doors not working, sound system not being right. What else do we gripe about? You could probably give me a punch list, stuff I've left out. These people didn't have that going. This church was united. They were, they were together loving Jesus together. They were imperfect people doing church together and doing life together. And guess what? That's what we are. There's a whole bunch of imperfect people doing life together. So we're going to say the wrong thing, guarantee it. <laughs> we're going to make a wrong decision. Guarantee it. I'm going to let you down. I know that just, just bothers you beyond all, all reason. But I'm going to let you down. I'm not going to be where you're, I'm supposed to be on the day that you need me to be there. I got you. I understand. I'll try. He blessed them with his power. They saw miracles done right there in their midst. We're seeing it, aren't we? We've seen miracles happen. We can see more. He blessed them with his presence. Matthew 18, 20 gives us a glimpse of that. For where there are two or three gathered in my name, there what? I am with them. Oh, preacher, all we need is two or three. We don't need 150,000. You're right. We just need two or three. But two or three that are on fire can create 150,000. Woo! Man, I would make dead right articles about me. Well, I could be in the Tulsa world on the religion page. That maybe even have enough in the budget to put my picture in there. Wouldn't that be great? I could step back in amazement and go, wow. Wow. Isn't that awesome? But you know what? Last week we baptized a little boy. And you know what? Angels in heaven rejoiced over one little boy that came to Jesus. His granddad baptized him. It probably didn't take because the preacher didn't do it, right? I mean, if the preacher doesn't do the baptizing, then it probably didn't take. So we probably need to run him back through again. It really has nothing to do with me or Grandpa. It has everything to do with Ethan's heart. Amen? What a great church it would be to have people so on fire that they'd see it. And then there was the wonder of his building. The Lord added to his church. And when God begins to pour his blessings out on a hungry, holy people, one of those advantages is that souls are delivered from the pits of hell. They're delivered. Daily, it says. Apparently, these people were goofy enough to bring others to the church. 
so that they might actually hear the message of God. Wow. Ever since the day of Pentecost, somewhere in the world, souls have been brought to the kingdom of our blessed Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And there is no reason at all why we can't see that too. Oh, we don't have a lot of flash. I'm not the best preacher in town. But I'll stay with you. I'll hold your hand all night if you need me to. I'll pray with you. I'll love you. And that's all I can do. That's all I can do. There's no reason why we can't see God doing great things. If Jesus, the great physician, were to walk into this building and place his finger on the spiritual pulse of our church, would he find us dead or alive? What if he did the same to each of us individually? Would he find us dead or alive? I asked you earlier, does the church, is this a growing or a dying church? Well, if each of us are not growing, then guess what we have? If each of us aren't growing, what do we have? Our church will only grow in relation to God's ability to bless and to work among us. And that's part of the covenant that we have to keep. As you've listened to this message, I trust that the Lord has pointed out some areas in your life where you need to make some improvements. Now we get ready for our invitation. Every week we invite. I believe with all of my heart that God wants us to fall on our knees and call out to Him. I do. And today I'm going to lead the way. Today I need to go to my knees and pray to God to use me more. I need to go to my knees and tell God that I've not been the Christian that he needs. So I'm going to do that. If you want to come join me, well, come on. But if you don't, it's okay too. Because God's going to love us Anyway, I just know that God wants something to happen at our church. I just know it. Feel it. Sense it in a way I've never sensed before. Anticipating Him doing marvelous things. Father, I ask you this morning to be very real to us. And in being real to us, Father, would we let you be real? <coughs> Too often we are proud, haughty, afraid, embarrassed. God, I want to lead the way. I want to be the kind of man that you can depend on. So God, I'm inviting others to join me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Phyllis is going to play. We'll sing.